Philosophers. Philosophers. So we're coming hot right out of the pre-show here uh, with your topic today. <laughs> um, to preface, we were talking about in a uh, how in a free society, each person will have to share at least one value, and that is the the concept that other people have the right to be free and and as an individual. Self-actualization, we might call it. Yes, yeah, self-actualization. And uh, the example given was that you will have to be okay with the fact that some people are going to do things you don't like and some people will exert influence against you in a way that you probably don't like but you'll have to respect in some regard and the example given was if there was a group of people that say well in our free society we want to build a wall around our little uh you know convent or whatever and we're going to be self-sufficient, have a closed society within the free society. And if you say, well, I want to go in there, they can say no. And you can say, well, I'm going to try anyway because I have freedom of movement. And they say, well, you can try, but we will exercise our freedom of defense and we will shoot you if you try to come in. And at some point, you know, if everyone in that free society and everyone in that closed society thinks that's fine, then you need to be aware of that and act in your own risk. But in scenarios like that, we really need to, there's like the guiding principle for how we deal with situations like that called the NAP or the non-aggression principle. And so that's what our topic is about today. Not the NAP necessarily itself, but the limits of the NAP, if they exist and in how and what way. So David, you kind of have had some forethought on this topic. Why don't you go ahead and start us down the road now that we have an example. Sure. So I guess we should first talk about what we're talking about. Sure. The non-aggression principle, briefly, is a philosophical principle which states that it is wrong to initiate a coercive relationship, basically. Um, you, it, it is wrong to be an aggressor. Um, if someone aggresses you, then you may defend yourself. But you to to initiate um, to to show aggression to somebody else is wrong. Um, so this might mean um, you know that you have to respect somebody else's property rights or, or whatever. The, um, the the issue here, and you know, cause it all sounds well and good to say something like you know, my rights end where your nose begins. That uh, it's a, a common uh, shortening of the of the principle, you know. Ba- basically, I, I can I can swing my arms around as much as I want, but as soon as I hit you, now I'm in the wrong. A problem arises when other people are doing things that are technically not aggressive, but they still might threaten you in some way. Right. Um, so. Here is an extreme hypothetical scenario. Uh, Suppose we live in a free society in which property rights are respected. Now, suppose, um, let's, let's suppose for sake of simplicity that people's property is uh, measured in uh, predefined squares of land and all uh all eight adjacent squares to your property are occupied by other people 
who refused to let you cross their property. Okay. And also suppose that you are in a predicament of not having the resources currently available to cultivate the land and be self-sufficient. You need to go somewhere else to get them. What do you do? Do you remain on your property and respect their property rights and starve to death? Or do you violate it? Do you violate their rights in order to preserve yourself? Right. Well, in this specific example, the example itself lays out an impossible decision. Well, not impossible. I mean, I can make a decision. Because to me, my life is more important than other people's rights. And that, right. that sounds terrible, but it's true. But but really, no matter how much people, you know, may say things, that's really how everyone feels. Yes. Yep. And so I would pick the weakest neighbor and um, try to reason with them. And if they cannot be reasoned with, well, at that point, I will use force if necessary. But I will avoid it at all costs. But that's the best I can do is say, I will try to sneak through your land or around your land and, you know, like walk the border between you and your neighbor. But... If you come after me to try to stop me from passing through, I will, I will, I will defend myself. Even though I'm technically aggressing on your land, I'm, I'm going to defend myself from your aggression. <laughs> so, how should perhaps a society respond to something like that? Um, do you know what? Should society side with the person whose property rights were violated? Should we put you back in your place for having tread on somebody else's property without permission? I think in this scenario, and we can always, in these scenarios, we always lean on the um, rational self-interest idea, which is assuming, it's a huge assumption, each person thinks rationally in their own self-interest that oftentimes involves them putting themselves in your place and seeing how would they like to be treated and what would they like happen to them in that scenario. Most people, I feel like, would would think, well... There's no reason why that person shouldn't be allowed through. Like in this case, it is okay. And most people might come down on the side of the person who tried to aggress against you to, or who saw you as an aggressor and by trespassing, they would say, you know, no, you need to let them through because what if, and you could extrapolate it to say, well, what's to keep that neighbor's eight neighbors from locking them into a box as well, you know, and because I don't want that to happen to me, I'm not going to do it to other people. That, But that can't always necessarily be banked on, and that's subjective, what's super subjective, you know. And, um, But that is that is how I think it would play out, is, oh, come on, like, would you want to be in my scenario? I'm just going to pass through, you know. I would be even willing to give up my right to go unhindered. Like, I would even, most people would even be okay with, in that scenario, if you're starving, it's like, fine, escort me through your land. That's fine. I don't care. I don't want anything to do with your land just let me through, you know? Um, but in that case, I feel like if all of your neighbors say they were all in a clan together, they all kind of bonded together and they want to take your land, but they're not going to, but they respect your property rights. So they're not going to just take it from you. They're going to let you die first and then cut it up into eight pieces and then assume it for themselves. Let's just say that was the motive, but you can't know that. Um, most people I think would be like, no, you got to let this person through. Come on. Like, do the right thing here and let them through. And this does kind of harken back to our discussion before about, you know, why certain things we consider to be public utilities and when other things aren't. And it's, you know, for example, the uh, restricting access to the watering hole concept, which is, you know, 
that that's kind of what this is. It's the same thing, but the watering hole isn't a specific place so much where it is we're trapping you in a desert instead. But I do feel like most people would be like, no, you need to let that person through. Um, because you wouldn't want to be trapped and I wouldn't want to be trapped in the same way. Even though I do think ultimately the situation is flawed from the get go because I I do tend to, uh, I don't know how I feel about land property in this scenario. That's a whole other conversation though, is can you even own land or can you just own what grows on it? Well, let's talk about whether you can own land. So yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, conventionally the, the thing that we, we think about for, for land ownership is if you build something on some land, then you own it. Um, but what does that mean? Right. Like, do, do I own just like, if I build a house, do I just own the land that is that the foundation the is on? Yeah, yeah. And not anything. Could someone just build a house right next to mine with right. a few inches or no, most people in America anyway, think that no, you own about an acre lot. You know, that's the way we think about it. Right. But in other places, like in China, for instance, there's a reason they build compounds. They don't build just a house. They wall off their property because that's how they see it is you only traditionally own what's inside the walls of your compound. But then just how big of a wall can I build? How how big of an area can I encircle in a fence or a wall and call my own before I'm just being an asshole and, you know, and people shouldn't have to respect my my claim because because essentially you know we, we've talked about this before i can basically you know claim something for no reason you know sure. I, I can just say that's mine and 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 we we think that that's wrong but i don't i, I don't it's not very meaningfully different for me to build a fence around it right well i, I mean if we go back to the feudal chinese example it is well I own it now because I'm able to defend it. Right. That's the whole point of building the wall is typically if you have the resources to build a wall around a large enough piece of land that it matters, you probably also have an army or a mercenary group that you also employ to maintain that control, which in that case, I mean, what's to say that isn't cultivating itself, you know, like, well, because I think oftentimes we talk about cultivating, but there is a second part that goes along with cultivating in the, at least the state of nature example, and that is the ability to retain and defend, you know. In a free society, we try to move away from that because we don't want people warring over plots of farmland. We want them to respect the fact that the other people own it. But at the end of the day, you know, it does come down somewhat to your ability to defend it, not just from other people, but from nature, you know, as well. Right. But, yeah, I, I guess the, the problem here is that we're talk, we're we're attempting to establish principles here, not right practicality. Yeah, there is the practical measure of other people are going to try to use your land if you try to claim something so right. big that you can't possibly use all of it. But is your claim still legitimate? Are they actually violating your property rights or not? Well, again, that depends on what has been agreed to tacitly. And now we're getting into the realm of social contracts, which yes. is what that is ultimately. Because yep. the NAP actually is a social contract, changed my mind. Yeah, it really is. Sort of. It is. Because I actually listened to our episode on social contracts not that long ago. And... Uh, the definition by definition of social contract is just something that is tacitly agreed to. Well, a tacitly or uh, what's the opposite of tacit? Explicitly agreed to, you know, um, as an exchange between people and their society. And the NAP is essentially all of us saying that we're going to honor this as a principle. And because we are all going to agree to honor this as a principle, you can be held responsible for violating it by others. 
even though in any other scenario you wouldn't. Um, and that's kind of what we're getting at is it really depends on what the the grand the greater society around you thinks because the most dangerous entity most of the time in any of these interactions is other people you know potentially dangerous i should say you know um when it comes to whether or not we own land or not you know i could see the argument being made that sure you own the land you cultivate and but by cultivate i mean things that you have either planted or built on it and so and it's really hard to build something that encompasses like for example i could say you cultivated the land the wall is on but if i circumvent the wall now i'm on free land again because you don't actually own the land inside the wall you just own the land that the wall happens to be sitting on so if you really want to cultivate some land you better turn it into a parking lot because that's really the only way you can lay claim to it is because you built something over the top of all of it but that's not useful to anybody unless you own a parking garage i guess but even then, you know, uh, and when you look at the example of a field, most fields, they're not so dense that you can't walk between the rows of crops, you know. And uh, I think also it comes into the other thing that's often considered is the will of the person who's there. You know, the, most people can tell the difference, even if they can't explicitly define it, between a person who is passing through non-aggressively or with no ill intent but someone who is, you know, we, we can assign those things like in things like frequency go into it and like what you're doing, like where you're going and why you're doing what you're doing, even though it's your business, you know, it, it, like for example, even in today's society, if I were to just walk through a farmer's field, most of the time, the farmer probably isn't going to come up to me and say, what are you doing? He's just going to let me go through because he's, that's not worth his time to even check. But if he sees me walking through, knocking shit over and breaking things, he's probably going to immediately come out and see what's going on, you know, cause I'm destroying his property at that point. But I, I don't know, you know, I really don't know how we deal with that. I, I know how I would deal with it. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's how other people would deal with it. Like for me, if I saw someone trespassing through my land, I would watch them. But I, and I think I would have the right to observe them since they're on what I would consider to be my property. But I probably wouldn't intervene unless I saw them doing something that I didn't like, or if it was, you know, at a convenient time of the day. But I don't know. But I don't know how. If that's because I view myself as owning that land, but I'm also a gracious, merciful owner of that land, or I don't actually think that I own the land at all. I don't know really where that comes from, you know? Yeah. And it's really hard, I think, to come up with a principle around it, you know, I, because we're on different levels, you know, we, we're, we're, there's one level of, well, do we just define land as not being ownable? Like you own the stalk of the plant that grows out of it, but you don't actually own the dirt beneath it and around it. I don't know. Does that change it at all? I don't know. Um, but I do think societally speaking, most people would apply the principle of, well, what if I, people will put themselves in that other per in both people's shoes and see which one, how they would deal with it in both. And whatever they come out and decide with that is how they're going to err in the event a dispute occurs, which is say, if the guy who owned the land shot the person who was trespassing in his eyes, would most people sympathize with the guy who shot the trespasser or most people sympathize with the trespasser you know which is which was wronger i guess to do and they're gonna side with whoever did the least wrong but at that point there's no principle there it's just 
feels feels um i I do think i do think the hmm well how does the nap play into this like what what would the nap say what do you think about the situation the example like who would be aggressing in this situation according to the nap or is it not defined and that's the problem uh yeah i don't know that it's rigorously defined um I guess, okay, this might raise a question about property, which is, is it wrong to use somebody else's property provided you are not damaging it? Yes. Because, well, traditionally, anyway, the idea is that I reserve, by owning property, you don't just reserve the right to use it, you reserve the right to control who is using it. Right. And... Back to our discussion a couple weeks ago when we were talking about you owning the fruits of your property and the example of me lending you my property, a hoe, to cultivate land. Do I own the land because my hoe was used to do it? Or do we share it because your labor, but my hoe was involved. That sounds awful, but still. (laughs) Um, Okay, we'll say my combine or my tractor was used. And so the tractor cultivated land, but you also were contributing. So do we 50-50 it or no? And the way we kind of got around the whole thing was saying, well, if I let you use my tractor, it's actually your property on temporary lease. Like it's yours for this period of time. And the agreement we've established is that you give it back to me. You transfer ownership back to me. And that's how it works. It's temporary ownership as opposed, which is what leasing is, as opposed to just use. And so... I uh, I would say yes. You know, we it is wrong to just use someone's property without permission. But we're, that still brings us back to the question of, is the land your property or not? And in the example you gave out, yes. This is, we've all laid out that it is your property. So in that case, it is wrong for you to trespass without permission in that scenario. If we follow strict principle... Even though you were going to die if you didn't, you still did something wrong. I think I want to take this to uh, a possible solution. Okay. Um, so I've been uh, I've been having some discussions recently with uh, with Apotheon, mm-hmm. uh, who who wrote Metaphysical Moral Caution. I, I, we've been talking about that. Um, I think that if Metaphysical Moral Caution makes sense then it actually sort of provides an answer because its definition of the non-aggression principle is basically aggression or coercion is interfering with somebody's self-actualization so am i actually preventing you from doing what you want by crossing your property (laughs) man there are red flags everywhere all over this i don't like that at all (laughs) okay what's your problem Okay, um, well, David, let's just say you're married and I want to bang your wife. <laughs> and you say no. Well, you're preventing me from self-actualizing in that case. Right? That's probably a bad example because your wife is presumably an agent. But let's just say I want to use your tractor because 
I need to plow my field and my tractor's broken and I need to cultivate that field in order to feed myself. But if you don't let me use your tractor, you're preventing me from self-actualizing. You see what I'm saying? Like, where is that well, line? That, mm, hmm. that, that, I, I'm going to look at the ways that can be taken advantage of and see if we can, if you can draw lines there, I'll be a lot more, you know, I'll be more willing to consider it further. But my immediate problem is, okay, it's good for when there's a situation like this, but what if things are normal? Otherwise, you know, how far can it go? So I guess maybe we should, uh, yeah. So I, I think the or, or the look. definition used for like preventing somebody from self-actualizing is not disallowing something, but rather making somebody do something they didn't want to. Mm, okay. I, David, don't believe that you can make anybody do anything. I don't believe that I can make you do anything. Even if I held a gun to your head, that's sure. not me making you do it. That's just me putting you in an uncomfortable situation. So I think that's the problem because that's actually the well, same scenario. That's not, how it's, that's not how it's written either. But Sure, but that's the same scenario as me denying you food access to food is essentially me putting a gun to your head it's just a lot slower and less direct it's or is define, it define define denying because there there are ways for me to get food without using your tractor okay let's let's, let's provide the same example let's let's go back and say we live in an, an arid environment and we are the only two people and there are natural barriers preventing us from leaving. Let's just say that. Like we live okay. on a desert island and sure. there's two of us and we split the island down the middle. There is a famine, but I stockpiled food. So I am going to be fine. You did not stockpile food. You're going to starve unless you get some food. And you tell me this. And I say, too bad. You should have stockpiled food. Looks like you gonna die now. Is that right? Or am I preventing you from self-actualizing at that point? Or did you prevent yourself from self-actualizing because you didn't prepare? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I don't, I don't think that at that point you are preventing me from self-actualizing. So same scenario, but now you have seven other neighbors. And the question is, why did you go there in the first place? Or were you born on this plot of land? And up until now, you've had access to food, but now I'm cutting you off. Like, like now I yes. guess more yeah, context. The, the details start mattering. Yep. Yep. Um, right. Or what if it's not as dire? What if the situation isn't as dire? And I said, okay, David, you need to cross my land to get food. No. Um, but I will, if you give me your land, you'll sell me your land for passage. So now I'm putting you in a less dire situation, but it's still a sucky situation because now I'm going to take your land. Well, I'm going to take it. I'm going to impose a price that still allows you to live, but it's a shitty, shitty price. And that is you give me everything you own for the right to just cross through my land. Yes, there's food on the other side and you'll be able to live till tomorrow. But after that, you have nothing to fall back on. And it's one step maybe removed from you starving two days from now instead of one day from now right um that that's that's interesting because now because now basically an option has been presented which doesn't require me to violate any property rights yep but it still sucks and so now so yeah 
Mm. And some people would offer, it's just as bad to do, it's actually maybe worse to do that because now I'm taking advantage of you. Whereas before I was just, I could make the claim that I was just preserving my property and that's important to me. So boom. Um, but now it's sure. I just waited for you to get into a bad situation. And I'm going to capitalize on it. And a lot of people think that's worse. And now I might actually be doing something wrong by offering you a choice. Whereas before I may not. How does that work in that scenario? Cause that's, if I had to give you a choice, I'd make it the shittiest choice possible. Well, this, this basically is the, the, the moral issue of, uh, of price gouging. Right. Cause that, that's what it is just with property instead of money. Uh, I would argue it's not just price gouging, but is a more common thing that happens that's legal is, uh, it's not price gouging, but what's it called? It's, um, it's, it's similar to how all, some people view insurance policies as well. Yeah, I guess Uh, maybe that's a little too far removed, but it's, it's anybody who's going to make money off of other people's misfortune. Or like, oh, it's futures trading. That's what it is. Like when investment brokers trade futures where I'm going to make money on the fact that you're going to go out of business just because I predicted you were going to go out of business. And people think that's wrong too, but it's perfectly legal and happens all the time. Like shorting stock and things like that. You know, people think that's wrong too. And I think that's the moral problem with that is that people don't think anybody should benefit from other people's misfortune. You should only benefit from other people's fortune. But yeah, but so what? But so what? Get you bent. Know, yeah. Get bent. But that's the same scenario we're in right now, which is oh, you want to leave, and that that's too bad. But you could also say, you know, well, actually, no. I think the I think let's 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 take it back to that example because actually I think there's a way the market can solve this problem. Let's go back to the eight neighbors. I'm one of them, and I say, give me all your shit, and then you can cross my my land, right? I can go to another neighbor and say, hmm, he wants all of it. But I'll give you a quarter of it. I'll give you a quarter of it. And he goes, hmm, okay, I can save myself doing that. And you go back to me who says I want all of it and says, well, he's willing to take a quarter. Would you take an eighth? And you could eventually land on a price to figure out. Because there is a price for your passage at some point. There's, And that's the other principle in play is that there is always a price. Man, people hate that. But it's true. That's a truth that people don't like, that there's always a price. And you let the market decide how much how valuable it is for you to cross through and don't be wrong i do think there's still an extreme scenario in which everyone is just so stuck up that they wouldn't go for it or you're a shitty neighbor and everyone hates you you know right but even then who why do you, why is it just limited to your eight neighbors what about a guy with a helicopter or an auger that could dig you a hole under their property and out or someone else that you could negotiate through with your neighbors because you can make the claim, I don't think it's wrong for me to, like, if you won't enter into a business agreement with me where, just because I am me, why not go through a third party that you would do business with? And you're only punishing yourself because now you're going to not get as good a deal because I'm having to go through someone else. But just because you have a stick in your butt about dealing with me. Yeah. So I'm just going to go through an escrow who you don't know who they represent. And because there's someone who's not me, you might take the deal. You know, there are options here. And I think that's the point is that the market can solve this problem because there's incentive to solve this problem. Don't be wrong. It's a niche incentive. But I also think, well, yeah, there's a niche incentive, but it's still an incentive. 
But I do, I do think this actually highlights another important part, which is what if no one in the world wants to help you? Like, right. I, I was going to take it there too. And, and, and yeah, that sort of comes up against, you know, uh, our, you know, another, another topic that we've been tossing about a little bit, which is last resorts. What, what, what do you do when you really have no other option? Yeah. Well, at that point, it, my opinion, that's a good thing that that could happen. And the fear of that could happen is that that scenario is how you enforce principles in a free society by everyone actors exerting their right of association to just or disassociation in this case at some point you will be held to task for violating a principle if that's what it is because i can only imagine everybody being that way if you really are a deplorable person because out of the billions of people in the world someone's going to give you a chance most of the time, unless you were absolutely the most hated person. And you probably, I would argue, had to do something to get to that point. And this is how you are being held socially responsible for something that you did. And at that point, you have to put yourself in a situation. At that point, yes, you would have to put yourself in a situation in which you're going to have to face armed resistance to self-actualization. But I would argue that's a better fate than people just swooping in in advance and just taking what you have and violating your rights on the front end. I would much rather see people put in a situation where they are having to wager their own rights against their own life than someone taking it from them in advance. Because that, in my mind, is actually some kind of justice. Is You've done something so terrible that... And, and, and there's no... And it's, in a, in a different example of in a, in a more, more realistic example is in a society where we've all diversified in our skills and abilities where I actually do not have the skills to feed myself like I, I really don't I could not farm enough to feed myself right now even if you gave me all the tools to do it I probably couldn't farm enough food to feed myself for a year in the few growing seasons that we have right in this year right now I have to rely on other people to do it for me and then through a market exchange get what I need to feed myself. In the same example, you can have freedom of movement all you want, but what if all the people who buy and sell food won't sell you food and you don't know how to feed yourself and no one will sell you the equipment to, to feed yourself? That's the same scenario in a way. But if you've done something to piss enough people off to get them to that point where even the market can't incentivize them to sell you food at an egregious markup. I mean, that is a so improbable situation, but in that extreme of a case, I would say that I, I would have to assume that you did something to piss somebody off or to piss everybody off to that point. And that's justice in that point. That's the best kind of justice, you know, is when people just decide to, when the market is being, the market can't save you. If the market can't save you, nothing can save you at that point. And then you're going to have to buckle down and fight for yourself. And don't be wrong. That doesn't necessarily mean get your guns out and start robbing people for food. You might have to pony up something else and do something you don't want to do to redeem yourself. You know, back in our talk on uh, justice, when we talked about how when something is set and done and paid for and restitution is achieved and you are rehabilitated or whatever, people should let that go. I think most people are naturally do that anyway. Most people are willing to let things go once they feel like you've 
when the debt has been settled. I don't see any reason why that couldn't be invoked here. So I don't actually think this is a limit to the NAP necessarily because there's always a situation in which no one has to violate the NAP to achieve the same effect as if they had violated the NAP. And that's not the point of the NAP anyway. It's designed, I don't think it's designed to make people cooperate necessarily. It's just to, to prevent people from forced cooperation. Right, or no, well, not forced non-cooperation. Right. But, I don't know. Kind of went all over the place on that one a little bit, but... But yeah, no, I think in that scenario... There's always, um, the market will always provide an answer if you have the resources. And if you don't have the resources, well, there's always debt. And if you don't want to take on the debt, then you're just going to be stuck with a shitty choice. And that's, that sucks. And there are other factors, of course, too, which is like, you know, why were you even there in the first place? You know, why did you put yourself in the situation? Or did you? you know? Well, right. I was going to say, we can't just assume that everyone puts themselves in the situation that they're in. Because that's not always the case. Mm, yeah. Mm. I mean, but they do, though. But they don't, though. No, but they do. Even if they do it unknowingly. They no. Do. No, because our favorite thing, children, break that. Children are just property, my dude. What are you talking about? Uh, well, <clears throat> children become adults. Yes, yes, they do. But the moment they become an adult, that's the only. The, okay, so the okay, the instant you become an adult is the only time in your life where you don't put yourself somewhere. The only time. Ooh. Only time. And at that point forward, well, that's the same for everybody, though. Almost anything, no, nothing, no thing, human otherwise, gets to determine their initial conditions. That's anybody. That's right now. Even if we assumed you were an adult the moment you, you, we assumed you were a person with full rights the moment you were born, you didn't get to choose where you were born, yep. or to who, or with what. You know, we're all born naked with nothing. Right. Hence the, uh, the saying, the key to success. Is choose your parents wisely. Exactly. Yep. You know, you don't get to choose that. But. But that's the only time, in my opinion. And then from that point forward, you it's, it's about making do with what you have. And in a free society, the market will deliver. It's all about your ability to read the market and provide a service or a material good that someone else can't, you know. That's that's wondering way off topic, I guess. So, what is the limit of the NAP in this case? I guess, or is it? Have we found the limit, or is the limit? Is there no limit in this case? Like, I feel like in the example we provided, the NAP doesn't have to be violated, and it's not a violation of the NAP to deny you access to anything, as long as there is a market that's in place that can fill a need. And, and, and don't be wrong, I, I'm aware that we're kind of personifying the market here a bit, but that's kind of what it is. The market is kind of just a macro entity of society. No, Joe, that sounds a little bit like woo-woo to me. A little <clears> bit, <throat> but it but it is. I mean, but okay, people do the same thing when they say the invisible hand. It's like, no, there's no guiding hand. There's, But it's what it is, though. It's it's The market's looking to settle, is looking to balance out constantly, you know. 
It's looking to offer anything that people want for the lowest possible price is what it's trying to do. It, it's not trying to do that. It's just the result. It tends to do that. It tends to do that because especially when all participants are rational actors, create people who generate goods want to sell them because if they don't, they don't it's not valuable until you sell it. Like when people talk about the price of something, the price is irrelevant. The price is the price when it's sold, not what it's being offered for, really. Right. Yeah. I can offer to sell you a pencil for fifty dollars, but that doesn't make my pencil worth fifty dollars if you don't buy it, it. Exactly. It's only worth it like and, and uh, I, I give this example all the time. Like what makes a painting worth two hundred and eighty million dollars? The fact that someone paid two hundred and eighty million dollars for a painting. That's why it's worth that much. Or it was worth that much. The value of something is only ever considered when it's exchanged. No other time does it matter. There's prospect, you can guess, but it doesn't matter. It's not real right. until it's just some paint on a canvas. It's not worth that much. Yes, it was it, to it, him. It was <clears throat> to that person, and that's how you take a bunch of people with subjective ideas about value, and they're allowed to work together without even knowing each other or knowing what each other's subjective value sets are for things. And that's why the market's great, you know. But the market can provide an answer to most anything as long as you've got something to trade for it. Or, you know, and that's why I brought up debt. The concept of debt, a lot of people think is bad, but it's actually kind of a good idea. Debt is a way to bootstrap in a lot of ways. Well, right. I mean, well, and that's exactly how we do it in the modern world. I mean, you know, if you want to go start a business, almost nobody actually has the money to go and start a business right. you know go go like especially if you want to start a big business like you get the money to build a factory no no uh and, and almost no one does but if you can convince somebody that you can make money doing that you can say hey let me spend money that i don't actually have mm -hmm. to do this and i'll give it back to you with a little extra on top to incentivize you to actually do that for me right whenever you go into debt I actually heard a really interesting concept where debt doesn't actually exist. You're just exchanging a contract for money and an idea for money is all it is. And that's kind of how it represents. If you, you could create a system where debt doesn't exist and that's exactly what it is, is I'm trading, you're giving, I'm selling an idea to you and the value of that idea. Right, is you're how just much making you a promise. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Someone is giving you money on the promise that you will give them more later. Right. And the value of your word in that case is where credit comes from, which is, People, which is what the word credit literally means. Yes, the value of your word. And uh, so I think with that system in place, I don't know that you can actually create a scenario in which the NAP has to be violated, except in the most extreme case, which I don't, I cannot fathom a way you could get, it just doesn't mean it's wrong. You know, I don't want to invoke the fallacy of my inability to comprehend something, but in this situation in which the NAP would have to be violated by you because of no fault of your own, that is, I think you would have, I don't think you could put yourself in that scenario necessarily where you don't have a choice because that's all the market does is provide choices to people. I think. Interesting. Yeah. So looks like NAPs and markets go hand in hand. Well, yes. Look at me. Where are you at, anarcho-communist? No, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but I, I think that's there is no limit, I guess, in that case to the NAP, as long as the, because the market always provides, the market's always pushing that limit, always, and so 
there's kind of a shared correlation there, maybe. Hmm. 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 And I think, well, let's do our due diligence. I think that would work in both types of initial conditions we had kind of hassled about at first, which was the can you own property or not. In both scenarios, it doesn't matter as long as the market exists, because if you do own the land, then okay, you, can you own the sky around it? Do you own a cone that goes into infinity into space? And even then, how do you cultivate air? <laughs> you know, um, and if land isn't a thing, then what does it matter? Um, hmm. I do think there is one other thing that needs to be discussed a little bit, though, too, and that is the NAP does not involve property. Right. It, it The only times it can seem to involve property is when you're actually invoking how property is almost like a stand-in or extension of the agent that owns it, and that's how it can be violated. So, for example, can I aggress against your property? No. I can't. Can you aggress against my property? Yes. What does that mean? Like, can I threaten your property? Can I coerce your property? No. No. But I can damage your property. Yes. Right. But what is that doing? It's not actually anything to do with your property so much as I'm actually violating your authority over your property. And that's in the way I'm aggressing against you, I think, in that case. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it? <laughs> hmm. I mean... Hmm. So, for example, the guy who's trespassing, I'm not aggressing against your property, but how am I aggressing against you by using your, by, is walking on your property using your property? Ooh. Does walking on it damage it? Doesn't matter, though. In in some way, well, maybe. Well, you're walking on my grass, if you walk on my grass enough times, it will die. So, in some way, you're wearing it down. But did you cultivate that grass? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe I bought the sod and laid it down and... <laughs> well, even then, though, that's kind of a red herring, to be honest, yes. because it's not whether you damage it or not, it's whether you're using it. Right. And really, the only two things you can do with land, well, well is walk on it and cultivate it. Like, it's, kind of, it's not the same thing, but that's really the only two ways you can use land in the broad scope for travel purposes as a medium of transport or, you know as a substrate on which to cultivate and it's not so much that i'm doing anything to your land it's that i'm i'm doing it without your permission you know because uh you can make the claim that does the situation change if i try to notify you in advance and say hey i'm going to be passing through your property now is there a way that you would allow me to do that what if i don't notify you is it is it any worse if i don't notify you like if if i which is worse me saying hey david i'm gonna cross your land because i need to get out of here and you telling me no on me doing it anyway or me not telling you i'm gonna cross your land and then crossing your land which is worse not telling at all in my opinion oh yeah because now if you notified first and i said no now now i have explicitly forbidden you from from doing it and you're doing it anyway. But with without that explicit denial, then it's sort of ambiguous. Exactly. No, nobody knows unless I have 
previously unless i unless i like post a notice nobody knows whether i care if you step on my property let's go to another radical hypothetical since we got a little bit of time left yep what if i don't know it's your property yep and second question you say you posted notice what if i can't read and i don't know it's your property is it still wrong oh no <laughs> man i feel like that episode is going to keep coming back to haunt us until we eventually put that to bed <sighs> that willful ignorance ignorance my dude because i would say it is still wrong doesn't matter if you know it's my property or not you're unknowingly taking control away from me taking control mm-hmm. mm. yeah because if i did not get to have a say i did not have control Like, if you unknowingly borrow my lawnmower. <laughs> All right. You don't know it's my lawnmower. You think it just manifested because you're really dim. <laughs> like, it just has existed since the dawn of time waiting to be cultivated. <laughs> Is it wrong? And I know it seems absurd because, like, well, how sure, does someone Sure, but, but we have know? to go to extremes like this. Yeah. I mean, hmm. Is it still wrong for me to borrow your lawnmower without asking? In that example, it seems an obvious yes, but that's only because we all assume people would know that it belonged to someone because <laughs> someone had to build it. You know, why is it any different with property? Like, well, like when I say property, I mean like land in this case, I guess. Sure. Because there's another way out of this. I'm just going to go through life not knowing anything and then I can't be held responsible because I just don't know. I'm going to intentionally blind myself and deafen myself and be at no fault for anything I do here on out. The price you pay to never be in trouble. <laughs> because we kind of treat it that way. Like I don't know if you've noticed, but like people who are blind or... like, Well, there's a reason that con men will oftentimes portray someone with a disability. Like, that's a pretty common thing because we we have a hard time holding to task people that we don't think should be held to task because, well, you didn't know. So if you're a con man, you just play literally blind and dumb and deaf and you can get away with anything. It's interesting. Excuse me, I need to go bottomize myself real quick. <laughs> um, hmm. So what do you think, man? Hmm. <laughs> so now a free society to me is a bunch of blind people walking around. <laughs> treading everywhere. <sighs> hmm. Well. I mean... just because we feel bad for somebody who doesn't know <laughs> that they're damaging somebody else's property doesn't mean that they aren't damaging it and that they shouldn't repay for their damages. Hmm. Like, well, I mean, because not knowing 
that you're damaging something is is all the same as not meaning to damage something like i can i can you know trip and fall on something of yours and break it i didn't mean to do that but i'm still responsible for doing it right well, and what's ridiculous is is we're going to have to leave it up to the same group of people who get to decide whose is what anyway. Right. <laughs> so, the same group of people who got to decide that this is yours also get to decide whether or not it really is yours <laughs> when it comes to someone using it without your permission. Right. And that's the, that's the thing. And the NAP kind of tries to guide that, I think. It tries, it tries to guide that discussion in a, cre- in a, in a constructive way. You know, by saying, well, did the person aggress? Can you unknowingly aggress? You know, can you unintentionally violate the non-aggression principle? Like an example I might give is that I have a threatening appearance. Like, for example, if I roll up to your house in a tank. Now, I don't want you to be afraid of the tank. And you don't know that... I'm just going for my Sunday drive in my tank. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I just happen to roll up across your property in a tank. Did I aggress on your property? Is it any... Or, no, I roll up next to your property in a tank, okay? I haven't quite treaded on your property yet. Um, but a reasonable per- person might be threatened at the fact that there is a tank next to their property. And then if I point the the gun at your property because I'm just looking through the periscope and it happens to only face the direction of the barrel. (laughs) And so I'm just looking over there to see if you're home because maybe I want to wave and visit because I'm a polite neighbor. I just happen to have acquired a tank. (laughs) Um, Do you, you know, at what point is it aggression? You know, and the thing I always hate is when people, I do not like is when people say, well, I feel aggressed and I'm like, "Mm -mm, no, I'm not doing that game because that's the same as when people say, well, I feel offended and my offense and it's offense when I feel offended and I get to determine what is offensive to me. And so you can wrong me by my essentially opinions of what something is. So if you feel aggressed, is that the same? If you feel threatened, does that mean I am threatening you? Like, in order for it to be a threat, do you have to feel it's a threat? Is that the only condition that has to be met? Or do I have to intend to threaten you? I think there's a subtle but important difference between you threatening me and me rationally taking something as a threat. Yeah, there's that that R word. Well, because... Because you could threaten me and I could be oblivious to the fact that you're threatening me. Right. And and I you're could, still threatening me. Or you could feel threatened, but I'm not actually threatening you. Well, right. You know, for instance, you could point your tank barrel at, you know, my house. By By all my observations, you are preparing to shoot something at my house and damage it. Um, but you might be ignorant about where the barrel is pointing. You might be, you know, fumbling around with some other controls and you accidentally swung the thing, mm-hmm. you know. But and that's the other thing too. What does it mean to feel rationally threatened? Because one might say that 
let's say you're the one in the tank for this instance. Okay. I see you point the tank barrel at my house, and I think to myself, there is no rational reason anybody would want to point a tank barrel at my house. So he must be doing it by accident. There is no rational reason for you to threaten me. There's no rational reason for you, because this will not work out for you. Even if you kill me, it will not work out for you, so you wouldn't do that. So I rationalize it as not a big deal. But you might rationalize it as a big deal. And now we're back to that whole pesky society thing and getting to determine what subjectively is, you know, rational at that point. You know, and, and and that's the thing. And the NAP tries to, again, guide that discussion on, well, what is considered to be aggression? Well, maybe this is a limit of the NAP. What counts as aggression Maybe Do you think it's possible for us to, in principle, outline Yeah, so th this is like a limit of the implementation of the NAP. Which is the whole point. Like, yes. if you can't implement it, what does it matter? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um. So a, a, a limit in practice of the NAP is you don't know other people's intentions. Yes. Yep. And then uh, if you want to hear more about intentions, uh, I might refer you to last week's episode on intentions. Or the one before last or week because we can't before, remember. Or the one before the one before. You know, we can't remember. <laughs> but our, our one of our episodes about intentions. Yeah, I think that's the whole thing. Um. And it leaves you in some uncomfortable absolutes, where if you wanted to be absolutely sure it's aggression, well, damage has to be done, you know? And then and that goes back all the way to our video where we talk about non-liability crimes, or it's called non-liability crimes, but the real thing is uh, strict liability. Strict liability. Yeah. Right. I didn't bother renaming the video, but oh well. Um, at that point, there is no such thing as prevention. There is only punishment, you know? And is that okay or not okay? Because most people would rather prevent something than... Um, Seek restitution. Well, the the other the other problem is that with some types of aggression or uh, trespass or whatever, it's it's too late to like you you cannot be repaid for it. You can't. No. Right. And and that's that. And you're the only one that you care about. Exactly. <laughs> and so, I, I don't know. That is one of the things I try to think about a lot. That is really difficult. Is because I I do tend to lean to the point of. You you don't exist anymore, but the person who aggressed against you did, and they're gonna have to live. They're gonna have to repay in some way, um, because there is also this idea or pay by giving up freedoms to be rehabilitated. You know that's one thing they have to pay with, but it's, you know, well, but I guess, I guess the important thing here is that the would be victim in this case has to make a decision. Or, well, really make an assumption about the intentions of somebody and decide, do do I shoot first because I'm about to be shot? Exactly. And, and that's the difficult thing is because in a free society, you could easily imagine a society where people, if no one, if nobody was ever afraid, like say we got culturally okay with the fact that there are just gun barrels pointed everywhere all the time and you are being flagged, which for those of you who don't know, means a gun is pointed at you. That's what it means to flag somebody. Uh, you're being flagged all the time and you're just used to it. So we kind of, there, there are cultures I think where that's normal, you know, where people are just kind of used to the fact that like subcultures anyway, like for example, when you work in a, in a gun 
smithing place or a gun factory, you've got gun barrels pointing at you all the time, and you're not threatened by it. Well, right. But that's a micro- but also because you know that the protocol is you're not loading the guns that you're building. Mm, that's not always true, actually. Well, it depends on what you're up to, but right. you sh- it, it should also be part of the protocol that when you're ready for live fire testing... You have a place for that where you don't point guns at people. Right, but it's not too far-fetched to think, well, what if everything, what if it was just normal? Like, that's just a fact of life to some people. Just like it's a fact of life that you could die to a lightning strike at almost any time. You know, people are just used to it because it's unlikely. What if gun barrels, we, we created guns that were so safe that the likelihood of them going off unintentionally or accidental shootings were at such a low rate that we just... You know, that was just a part of the society that you're in. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like we can expand on this a little further, but we're kind of almost at time. Yeah, a little bit. So. Let's 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 talk a little bit more about some other potential elements of the NAP in our post-show, and maybe next time. Okay. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Philosophers. Philosophers.